Hi, this is Nyetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. Can you believe that it's almost been a year in 50 episodes? Oh my God, this is amazing. Wow, this has been such a great journey, a great adventure. Um, So this month, we have taken a break. Well, technically we took a break, but we technically did not, but we did. (laughs) So what we have done for the listeners, we got together um, our top four episodes and we collaborated them for you guys in a four-week period. So um, we want you guys to enjoy Daddy's Lessons and Hey Mama. We did the best of that um, for this week. We have um, another little surprise for you guys next week. So you got to listen and stay tuned. But um, I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank you guys so, so much. I want to give a, a little quick shout out to some people that continue to keep following and posting and listening to um our podcast. Um, I want to say thank you to Roxy Raphael. Thank you so much for all the great comments and listening to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to thank right to Corey. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, I want to thank Glenn, um, Glenn, Lena. I hope I'm saying it right. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for listening to the show and supporting the show. Also, I want to thank Lakeisha Lewis Brown. Um, I want to say thank you to you as well for listening to the show. Thanks for the great comments. Um, and you made a comment. You want to know what makes people addictive? We'll make sure we look um, look that up, and we'll make sure we give you the answer. Thank you guys for listening, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Help Show. Hello again, and welcome back to The Help Show. For our Hey Mama series, episode nine, I would like to introduce Ms. Sonia Thorne, an internationally recognized licensed clinical social worker and the director of Family Nurturing Center of Texas. Ms. Thorne comes with a wealth of experience with a long history in training foster parents, as well as working with multiple university departments, school districts, and community partners on behalf of children, families, and the frontline staff for Help Start and United Way, just to name a few. In reference to our topics, we discussed key tips for parenting, such as mothering, discipline, and nurturing, and, most important for mothers, how to take care of yourself. Enjoy. How are you? Just fine, thank you. Hi, how's everyone? We're doing really, really great. First of all, Ms. Sonia, um, the Health Show wants to say thank you so much for taking the time out to interview with the show to help us spread awareness about, you know, being a mom, how in, how tough a job it is, um, just basically, you know, helping young women around the world, around the, the nation understand that being a mom is a tough job and that it takes a lot of love and, you know, nurturing the child. You know, in order for a child to be able to have great development, you know, when they get older. And so I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm beyond humble that you have taken your time to just, you know, interview with the show, first and foremost. Yeah, well, thank you all for having me. (laughs) So... 
let's get straight to these questions. So, Ms. Sonia, how long have you been in the field of social work in your line of work? And, and also, what are your credentials? Okay. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so a therapist by trade, clinical therapist, and the director of Family Nurturing Center for Texas of Texas. I've been in this type of I've, I've been doing this type of work for about 20, 25 years um, now. Oh wow, wow! And I know last time that um, we spoke, and then I saw you. You were you did um, um, a class your nurturing class with YAP, which was phenomenal. And I learned so much from your class. You know you changed my life, Miss Maya. You know oh that, right? <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, in my as a director of the Family Nurturing Center of Texas, I travel actually internationally and um, train other professionals like yourself um, mm-hmm. that work directly with uh, children and families, and specifically children and families that either are going through some mental health issues or families that are wanting some parent education help or agencies that are either state, government, or local agencies that are working on behalf of child abuse and neglect prevention, intervention, or treatment. Um, so that's pretty much what I do um, every week. And okay. I really enjoy it because I get to meet amazing people doing amazing work in the field and, and all working really hard and passionately to care about children and families uh, in their designated states and their designated agencies. Uh, so I'm okay. humbled by the work that I'm able to do and the kinds of people that I'm able to meet. Uh, so oh, I wow. enjoy what I'm doing. Oh, wow, oh, wow. Um, so I know that you are a mother and yes. you are a grandmother. Yeah, so how those beautiful grandchildren, because I know we had, um, when we did the class, her ch- so beautiful, you know, yeah. when you talk about your grandchildren, your faces lights up with joy. <laughs> yeah, I, I joke around that as grandparents that are trainers, we get a captive audience and we get the big screen. So you don't have to ask to see my children's pictures or my grandchildren's <laughs> pictures. I flash them. And so, yeah, so you were... <laughs> You were in the audience when they were flashed to you, and yes, I am. I'm a very proud mother. I have two. I have two biological sons, uh, and then I have a young lady that I mentor, and um, I continue to be in, in in the role of mother for her, even though she's just ten years younger than me. Uh, and with her, she has blessed me. She blessed me with my first uh, granddaughters. Uh, so oh, Layla wow. is Layla is uh, five. And uh, about to turn five, and Ellie is about to is two, and so they are a blessing. And then my two sons bless me with um, my two grandchildren, my two grandsons, Connor and Orion, and so they just turned one year old. So I'm a busy nanny, and then I have two, three other grandchildren from my husband, and that's Myra, Andrew, and Adam. So we stay busy uh, trying to get them to come see us or going to see them. Uh, and so, yeah, they are they are quite some joy. And I always tell folks, being a career mom uh, with my two sons, I felt like I did it with some ease. I enjoyed it. I was very, very available. Um, but this grandmotherhood's got me going, I kind of am ready to retire. <laughs> I want to be with them every day. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing so much. <laughs> you know, as we get older, we run how much we miss. So I don't know right. how I'm doing with this whole grandmother stuff, but but I'm surviving. You like you're you're the fairy you're the fairy grandmother. You like the <laughs> best grandmother ever. 
Well, I, I try to be. I try to be. And so we try to, our weekends are pretty much spent with one or, or as many as we can get at one time. So, that's oh. because of, yeah. yeah. So with you being a mother and a grandmother, what does, what does it mean to be a mother to you, Miss Anya? So when I think about the title of mother, you know, I think of it's a female role model in parenting. And to me, parenting is a verb because there's lots of people that mother children. Um, it doesn't have to be their biological mother. Uh, it's just a female role of the whole idea of the verb parenting. Um, so, you know, I, I, I believe that there's lots of people mothering. I think our teachers sometimes are mothering our children. I think, um, you know, aunts and uncles and older siblings and, and foster parents and, you know, adoptive parents, I think a lot of people mother. But to, be, but to me, to be a mother, it means to be emotionally available first, caring and loving. Uh, to me, that's the most important thing. A lot of things can be overcome even overlook sometimes if you are an emotionally available mother and your children know far most that you care about them even when you don't like their behavior. And I think that's a right. real important part to being a, to, to motherhood. Um, to be a strong disciplinarian, too, I believe. Um, you know, I, I think to be disciplined ourselves and around our children, is, that's how children learn discipline. It's not so much something we do to them, but it's what they see in us. And so I think that that's very important. I think it means to also model appropriate ways to love, appropriate ways to manage when we are hurt, uh, and to be able to show a range of feelings, um, easy ones and difficult feelings, but in a mature, nurturing way. Um, so I think to me, motherhood means to educate, to discipline, to show healthy awareness of self, more importantly. Um, so I think a lot goes into mothering, but I do see it as a primary, as a primary role that a female takes on in parenting children. Oh wow! So how do you nurture your child? You know, you being, you know, how do you nurture a child without being being their friend, or is that even possible? Because I know that you said you know you have to be a disciplinary, and sometimes being a disciplinary, you can't be their friend. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know that's a real that's one of those kind of issue or conversations that you'll hear different things. You know, so in my opinion, I will never be my children's friends. I'm friendly okay. to them, and um, if they need me to be a friend for a conversation, I can try to be. I can I can be a good. What that means is I can be a good listener and not put in my mother input. But that's even right. a very difficult thing to do. Even when I have attempted to do it with my older children. Uh, you know, they have asked me, I don't want you to parent, I just want you to listen. And I I try really hard, but I am their mother, uh, and I'm not their friend. And I strongly believe that children of all ages need friends that are their age, peer age friends, um, not their parents. Their parent, That's two totally different roles to be a friend and to be a parent. Uh, and I always say, it's, if you're being your child's friend, then I'm wondering who's being the parent, because the child needs a parent more than they need you as a friend. Um, so I don't think you can play both roles, and I don't, even as my children get older, uh, I don't ever see myself. I mean, my, my son right now is 29 years old, and it's still very clear um, that I'm not I'm not his. I'm not his friend. I'm his mother, uh, and you know, 
I think it's almost it's come even more real with uh, the young lady that I I'm a mother figure to her. You know, she has right. friends and she does things with her friends and she's very clear when I'm invited. It's because I'm invited as the grandmother to the children, uh, not right. as her friend. Uh, so to me, those are. Yeah, I don't I don't think you could play both. But I sometimes hear parents say, um, well, my daughter's my best friend. And I, I always right. you know, there's a little red flag, but I always remind myself that. That mother could just be trying to verbalize that her and her daughter have a good relationship, you right. know. Uh, so I take the time to kind of observe and look at, is that a concern? Is that an area that they might need my help if I'm their therapist or if I'm their parent educator or parent coach? Um, because sometimes we say words like that, but it's very clear that the child knows what role they play in the home and the parents know what adult role they play in the home. Um, and that's what I think is important. Adults should play the adult roles and children should play the children role even as they get older. Um, the, re- the relationship does change a bit when you're older, um, but it doesn't change into a friendship. It just changes into a different type of mothering, I believe. Hmm. And, you know, with with a parent being a child's friend, have you seen relationships that basically have plummeted because the mother's trying, you know, so hard to be the child's friend? Or do you see, or have you seen a successful relationship from, you know, the mother being the child's friend? Like, is there a 50-50 chance that a I really relationship... Don't. Yeah, I really don't see that. I I really don't. I'm not, you know, in all the years that I have worked with families and many different families from all walks of life, I've never Mm. seen a situation where I thought, oh, wow, that mother and daughter are great friends or that son and mother are great friends. Um, The healthy roles that I see, the healthy parenting that I see over and over again in all types of families is where the adults do know their adult role. And that adult role is that of a parent, not of a friend. Um, so I don't think it's a 50-50, but again, that's just my opinion. You know, other folks may have other opinions, um, but I, I strongly believe that children of all ages need mothers uh, and need fathers. They, they make their friends with their peer friends. Okay. So with that being said, what's more important, structure, structure or discipline? When you know raising a, tr- a child, for the child to be more to have a more structured life, you know you get up, you go to school. This is what your role is. This is what's going on, or dis- you know, or basically just discipline the child from for all, you know, what the child does. Well, let me begin by saying that I think that nurturing and discipline are one. I don't feel okay. that you can nurture a child you do not discipline, and I do not okay. believe that you can discipline a child you do not nurture. I think you can okay. punish children you do not nurture. Um, hmm. So to me, discipline is is it's based on a relationship that the child cares what the parent thinks, and and the parent is consistent with the child about loving the child first of all, the nurturing part, and then when the child goes astray or when the child does something the parent doesn't approve. The parent can, in a proactively, not reactively way, let the child know and discipline the child appropriately according to the child's age, according to the child's understanding and logic, and according to what the purpose is. What is it that we're trying to teach? What's the long-term goal? Uh, I always tell parents, you want to first, before you discipline your child, you want to keep their self-esteem in mind. And don't do things to your child that's going to damage their self-esteem. 
And by what I right. mean by that is damaging a child's self-esteem is by belittling them or making them feel less than as a human being. Secondly, right. I tell parents, keep in mind the parent-child relationship. Don't put fear and anxiety in your child's body. Where we might have been raised with a level of fear and anxiety that possibly look like respect, well, our times were very different. I'm not saying that didn't work. I'm saying that the times are different, and therefore we have to do different things, uh, to di- different ways to discipline today's child. And today's child has a huge number of anxiety running through their bodies, a huge number of fear running through their bodies that right. we as parents don't need to put any more of that in their bodies. And then thirdly, right. I tell parents, before you discipline your child, think about what is what is that you're trying to teach that child for the long long-term goal. And when you've got that in mind and you've covered the first two about their self-esteem and about the parent-child relationship being intact, then you should be able to discipline your child however you want because you're not going to be abusive. You're not going to be reactive. It's going to make sense to the child and the child is going to learn because of it. And so to me, that is discipline. But when you think about structure, that's more on the environment that the parent's creating, in my opinion. If you create a, a structured environment for a child, then the child grows up understanding that structure is best. If you create a chaotic world for a child, when the child learns how to live within a chaotic world in a very stressful, high-stress high level, um, huh. and that's not, and at different times of age, that's hard to, for a child to succeed when there's that much stress in the home and that much chaos. So structure, is, is, to me, is on the parent. If you want to raise structured children, then you create structure in your own life and you model that right. for your child from day one. Um, routines, things as such. You create healthy routines for them around bath time, around eating time, around bedtime. And when you create those nurturing routines around those things, you're, that's the beginning level of creating structure in a child's home. Okay, so you so basically you can you can tell those children that that come from a very chaotic home or abusive home because their behavior or there isn't you know there isn't they're not doing things in a structured way that an adolescent should do. You get where I'm coming from? Like they don't. Yeah. They they don't go to bed on time or they they sleep late at night or instead of someone instead of them having a parent that says, you know what, bedtime is at eight, we're going to bed at eight, instead of the parent letting the child, you know, go to sleep at one or two in the morning and then hearing arguments and seeing fights, you know, I, the yeah. question I have for that, how does that how does that harm the child? Because that seems very harmful for the child. Right, yeah. Well, any time, I mean, think about it even from, look at us as as adults. When my needs are not getting met and I didn't get a certain amount of sleep and I didn't eat my regular meals and I didn't get my emotional needs taken care of, I tend to not be at my best either. And that's what happens to children. If you imagine that day after day after day, that's not healthy. That's not healthy for anyone, more or less a child. So, you know, setting those kind of routines for them is one of those things that we need to do because if a child's needs are not getting met, that's when they're behaving. If a child doesn't know where's my next meal coming from, who's going to be there to love me, is somebody going to provide love for me every day? And if that's not consistent, then then children are not acting consistent either, right? That's true. Yeah, the environment has to have some level of structure and consistency um, for the child to learn that. And we have to start early. But even when we're not able to start early, we can start later. I mean, the, the power of awareness brings about choice, and even to the teenager. 
if okay. he's if you can put it in such a way to say the reason you're not at your best at school, the reason you're not at your best with your siblings or with your mom or with your dad or with anyone else, it's because you're hungry. You're mm. sleepy. You know, mm. no one's paying attention to you every day. The human body needs attention and affection every single day. Even people, sometimes we say, well, the child's kind of quiet and shy and to himself. Yeah, that doesn't mean that the child doesn't need attention from his parents. That just means that right. the child may be a little more quiet, a little more shy, a little more introverted. An introverted child doesn't need parents less. They, both types of children, all types of children need attention from people who love them consistently every single day, and that's the foundation children need. And when they have that kind of consistency, usually with that type of consistency comes a higher level of empathy, comes a higher level of, of, of structured environments and nurturing routines and things as such. Do you have computer problems? Is your computer running slow? Did you forget your passcode? Okay, is it running slow because you've been downloading inappropriate things? <laughs> okay, I'm raising my hand. I've done it before. <laughs> Call Half Price Geeks. That's one eight seven 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 geeks And tell them the Help Show sent you. Hi, welcome back to the Help Show for our Hey Mama series, episode 9. Nyetta beats the streets of Dallas to get some candid conversations with Dallas natives on the importance their mothers played in their lives. Enjoy. Hi, this is Nyetta, and I'm with Sam Gibson. Anthony Chambers. Brian. Dominique Anthony. Ramondria Green. Morgan Shook. Jamila. Jamila what? Jamila McKinney. Okay. <laughs> we want to wish all the moms happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And let's get straight to these to these questions. So Jamila, who do you consider to be your mother? Um, my mother is she's quite amazing. Her name is Marque Pakum McKinney. Hi, Miss Marque. <laughs> Sharbra. Sharbra. Yes. And who is your mother? Who is Sharbra? My mama. Oh, your mom. Okay. She said um, her name. She Miss Sharbra. So <laughs> who do you consider to be your mother, Dominique? I would consider two women. I would consider my actual birth mother um, and then my my maternal grandmother. Okay. So, Brian, who do you consider to be your mother? Um, Alice Wright, which is my biological mother. That She's been my mom. And still is my mom to the end of time. She's always been there for me and been very supportive of not just me achieving success, but also being a better person. Okay. Um, so who do you consider to be your mother, Anthony? Mama. <laughs> Mama is my mother. Okay. Uh, my mother, who we affectionately call Big Pat. Okay. Hey, Miss Big Pat. <laughs> right. Big Pat, baby. Okay. <laughs> who is your mother figure? Um... For sure my mom, but I also have somebody else who I really look up to who's just always shown me what it means to be a good parent, and so that means a lot to me, and so she just comes, she just comes off as somebody who is very important to me. So my mother is my absolute mother figure, for okay. sure. Okay. For sure. And that's, that's mama, you know, <laughs> and, and more than that. She has been a, a a figure in my life to kind of steer me where I need to be more. She's my moral compass. 
when I was thinking about having trouble with school and things like that, she was the one that told me to stick through it and to persevere. That's a good question. So I don't want to be a mother, but um, <laughs> That's okay. if, if, if I would have to pick somebody, it would be my grandmother. Okay. Yes. And who um, is your mother figure? Mother. Your mother? Okay. Um, and who is your mother figure? Um, I have a, my biological mother as a mother figure, um, but I also have a spiritual mother who is an aunt. Okay. So um, I guess there's two parts to that. Oh. And who is your mother figure? Uh, my mother figure is my mama. Okay. I would have to say my favorite memory of my mom is growing up my brother and I Every day before we went to school, she would have us do a motto. Okay. And we came up with it together. And it's, I'm smart, I'm beautiful, I'm wonderfully made by God, and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. She would have us say that every single day. It's one of my fondest memories with her. Oh, wow. Pretty much, yeah. Um, your favorite memory of your mother? So, um, we grew up very poor, and my mom is an extravagant gift giver. Doesn't really go with being very poor, but one day I remember coming coming home, and um, she bought all of us winter coats. Oh wow! And I tried on the coat, and I loved it. You know, it was it was white, uh, black at the top and yellow at the bottom. Okay. And I put my hands in the pockets, and there was gum in the pockets. I it stands out to me. It's one of my only childhood memories that oh wow um, stands out to me. Oh, so wow. that's. I know. Just meet you, Bumps. <laughs> I know. It was, that's a good memory. And what's your favorite memory of your mother? She was really, really nice to me as a kid. And so, like, we would always do things together. She'd take me places, we'd eat ice cream, things like that. Okay. Oh, my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my childhood I spent with my grandmother a okay. lot of times. My mother was a single parent and she worked a lot. Okay. So um, my grandmother would take me on a lot of trips. And so okay. we would basically go all over the nation oh, wow. just on a lot of different trips. So I would okay. say my favorite memories would just be just either in a car or on a plane okay. or at different places um, vacationing. Okay. When um, I was about 11 years old, my dad was traveling for work, and we had to buy a new house. Okay. So it was just me and my mom traveling back and forth from East Texas to Dallas looking for a house. And okay. that time on the road, we really had a lot of bonding because we learned a lot about each other. As her, me being her little boy, but also me going into being a teenager. Oh, wow. That was a really big moment where we connected as far as what lifetime connection just between us. And what is your favorite memory of Miss Big Pack? Of you? Big Pack. Let's see. My favorite memory of my mother is it, it's kind of a reoccurring memory. Um, my mother kept me very busy, so I remember every day. Okay. I did not get into in the house until she got in the house. Okay. Because if you had to, if she had to work all day, you worked all day. Okay, so she kept you structured. Oh yeah. Good. After yeah. school, there was football. After football, there was some sort of. Tutoring, giving back. We got in the house at nine o'clock. So. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Hey, Big, Miss Big Pat, you did a really, really great job. Okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your favorite memory of your mother? Even though it just happened, probably the day that I got married, just seeing how beautiful she looked and just how much love she had for me and all the hard work she put into the wedding, it just um, really meant a lot to me. So. Okay. And what have you learned from your mom, Sam? 
Um, how to be selfless and to just be genuine with what um, you're what you're trying to do in life and just be open to new experiences and not let my fear get in the way of me not um, living the life that I deserve. What have you learned from your mom? Um, the biggest takeaway from my mother um, has to be that you know you don't need any permission to be great. You know you've, you've got a vision you got something that you want to do, you feel a purpose, you've prayed about it, you know that's where you're supposed to be. Okay. Make it happen, and you don't need anyone's permission for that. Okay. Um, I think one thing she taught me was how to not only just respect people, but women. And, okay. And to not belittle people. Okay, okay. Hey, so what have you learned from your, your grandmother? Um, a lot, just how to be a, um, a straightforward person, how to be an honest person, okay. how to be um, a noble person, I would say is a good word. Okay. Um, just characteristics of um, reciprocity in okay. every situation. Okay. Um, what have you learned from your mom, Ms. Shara? Everything that I know. Everything, what do you know? Um, I am smart, I'm vigilant, um, um, take charge of a person. I've learned everything from my mom. Okay. And what have you learned from your mom, Morgan? I have learned um, resiliency, I think. I've wa I watched her struggle. Um, she was a young mother, just like I am and was. And uh, she went to nursing school and she figured it out and she was able to provide for us. I mean, my dad was there too, but um, I mean, she worked really hard. You know, my dad couldn't even read. Oh, wow. You know, but she, in spite of that, like she still did everything she could do to make sure that we had everything that she didn't. Oh, wow. Hmm. And she still does that and we're all grown. <laughs> She's amazing. Wow. Um, you know, one of the most significant things I've learned from my mother is she's always encouraged me to believe that it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. Hmm. Um, and she's always stayed very consistent with that through my trials and my own life mistakes and my own life triumphs. It's, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what do you wish your mom could do? Besides fly. Um, <laughs> I wish that she could really see, and it just like sink into her skin almost, just knowing that a perfect parent is a parent who is aware and is doing their 100% best, mm -hmm. and that that makes her a perfect parent. <laughs> um, what do you wish your mom could do? that she could not worry about me so much. Okay. I think that she um, still worries that I, uh, you know, about my choices and, right. you know, I'm a single mom, so uh, the way that we parent isn't the same and she kind of worries about that sometimes because the, the ways that I parent my daughter aren't the same as she would, right. she would cry. We parent me and my sister. Okay. 
I'm really transparent. Yeah. My mom is not as transparent, so I wish she could be more transparent with me. Okay. She is transparent, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she can do everything. She can do She can do everything. Your mom can do it. She's super. <laughs> Miss Shara, you superwoman. Yes, she is. She's a superwoman, okay. <laughs> Um, just be happy. That's all I wish for her. Um, she's a great person, and uh, she's a very giving person. So just be happy, and that more people will give to her as much as she gives to others. Yes. I wish my mom could walk out of her job right now and retire. She's been a school teacher for 35 years. Oh wow! And I, and I really feel like she's invested in children her whole life, including me and my brother. Oh wow! And she deserves to be able to go home and sit down. Oh wow! And what do you want your mother to know, Brian? That I love her, even when I'm being harsh or I'm being callous. I do love her. She, she's taught, and I listen to everything she tells me, even when I'm being stubborn. Oh. I wish that my mother had the bandwidth to be everywhere I was and see everything that I could, I, I do. Okay. Because I wouldn't have a lot of the opportunities or be in a, a lot of the positions that I'm in without the structure that she provided and without the support that she provides continually. Okay. Okay. Amazing. Um, I wish she could live on in a hundred acres and have a hundred dogs because she loves dogs <laughs> and um, I know that would make her really happy so definitely that. Okay and what do you want your mother to know? That I really appreciate her. Um, there's really no words that could ever really um, ever say how appreciative I am for her, um, but I just want her to know that I love her and um, think she is the epitome of what being a good mother is. Are you tired of that boss? Are you fed up with that bully? Are you annoyed with your mama? Well, you know what, guys? Check out the anger room on 3014 Cumbers. If you want to take your anger out, if you want to throw some plates, if you want to jump on some desk, if you want to write on some walls, graffiti on the walls, if, if you want to just take the frustration of sometime the day-to-day -day life, that if you actually <laughs> do what you really felt you wanted to do, you might be incarcerated. <laughs> the anger room again that's 3014 cumber street to make an appointment today is 1844 i get mad and tell them the help show sent you hi welcome back to the help show for our daddy's lesson series episode 10 now i got a caught up with our very own dallas native lincoln stevens on how important fatherhood is to him and how it changed his life we also have Malin Lee with an alternative perspective on fatherhood. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. I am with Malin Lee. Um, he is on The Help Show's team. Say hey, Malin. What's up, everybody? What's up, really? <laughs> and um, also, Malin is a blogger. What's your blog's name? Dark Happiness 38. Dark Happiness 38. That sounds really mystical. Spooky. Woo. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I know you guys are aware that it is Father's Day weekend, um, 2017. And what I have done for Father's Day, I took a couple guys 
that I know, and um, I interviewed them as far as the different background. And the reason we're interviewing Malin because his background is very different um, than any man that I pretty much know. Um, Malin, I want you to be able to let the audience know a little bit about you. Number one, um, where are you from? I am by way of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. And I've lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, Ruston, Louisiana, Anaheim, California, Fullerton, California, and I am now back in, well, not back, but I am in the new state of Texas in Dallas. Okay, okay. And besides that, we are talking about, you know, fathers being a part of our of our lives and how... Um, or lack thereof. Of, okay, or lack thereof. And, you know, the reason I, I did this... Um, this this part of the series because you know there's always something good and then you have something you know some fathers are not that great so I don't want it to be like you know peaches and cream daddy I sat on my daddy's lap you know um he taught me how to throw a ball and drive a car and mm-hmm. catch women and you know I want people to really understand that sometimes when you don't or do have a father in your life um it can change you, but sometimes it can, and sometimes it makes you stronger. Um, sometimes it may or may not bother you. I don't know. So we're going to get into this interview with um, with with Malin and um, find a little bit about his father and how he grew up, and um, if you if you kind of had like you know who was your father figure first and foremost? Was your father your father figure, Malin? No. No. Um, why not? Um, from that, that story is still untold. A lot of that was kept from me uh, growing up, still to this day, very vague. Um, at, after this point, I've two years ago, I found out his name. Okay. And that's literally all I know of him. Okay. Uh, don't know much background, just of the origin of name. I know that it's African. He's African descent. Um uh, and to the question on male figure, okay. I have multiple male figures in my life. Okay. The whole saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Okay. That kind of stood true for me. Okay. And uh, I think the standpoint of seeing and trying to adapt the best way I could, but it wasn't a good, it was never an easy or good transition because... Um, another thing you guys could know about me, I grew up, I'm the only person in my family without um, a dad or father in their life and no other siblings. So growing up, you see all your other cousins, all your other family members have dads or brothers and sisters or one or the other. And you see that and you kind of, you know, wonder where that was there for you mm-hmm. and you stop questioning it. And the instant mindset goes to that you're not, that you weren't good enough or not worthy of what everyone else has. So that stigma kind of stick. Well, it stuck for honestly a good bit. What's a good bit, Malin? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably, I can't lie, part of it still has a effect on me but I kind of 
grew past stages probably after I left home at okay. age 18. 18, okay. So that was kind of like a a clear release for me to fully venture a world I didn't have. I can't say I didn't have much growing up, mm-hmm. but what was there, I knew that there was more out there to get, to experience, to see. Mm-hmm. So I kind of um, made a transition to kind of leave what I knew of what life was and what it was supposed to be at that point. So a question I have to ask you. Um, so when you're at a listen stage of life, that's probably like, let's say um, that's like 12, 13, you know, those stages in life, you kind of identify who you are. Um, and then sometime um, I'm going to say that having a father, I want to say it's an issue, but it kind of... Uh, not having a father can be very detrimental to a child, especially if you don't know who your father is. Um, and especially if you don't, um, if you really truly never communicated with your father and then, and growing up to being who you are, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you, how did you know who Malin was? How? I didn't. Um, I guess being somewhat sheltered. Okay. And somewhat... So your mother shelters you? Well, not necessarily shelter me. I kind of almost sheltered myself, honestly, because, A, I had a mindset that I was already not worth what everyone else had. And then, B, I didn't want to create... I Well, I didn't know how to create my own culture Mm -hmm. on... Like who I was, I was just always saw what you're not supposed to do, or told what you're not supposed to do, right. or you're not supposed to go, who you're not supposed to hang around. This is bad. This is good. Um, of course, grew up in the church, okay. so just doing that, that became like a routine lifestyle. Okay, and always having the mindset of worrying, like basically don't like don't mess up. I kind of had that mindset, like almost still to this day, like don't mess up, like you already have a knockdown you don't have a dad you don't have any brothers or sisters Hmm. so you don't have anything else to fall back on if anything happens like it's it's all on you you don't have any brothers or sisters that you could blame it on or a dad you can blame it on or say the fix of certain things like I saw um I saw many troubled households okay but I saw I kind of saw it from a distance when you're around friends, when you're around family, you see you see what people want you to see, right. but you never. I never saw um, behind closed doors, and that affected me in many different areas, from how to interact with people, okay. how to be sociable, how to even deal with girls, how to um, how to do stuff growing up to be a man like you missed that link because I grew up by in a household uh, from what I remember my mom my grandmother in and out my uncle he had some um, issues uh, legally mm-hmm. um, he was in and out of the mix and sometime I would have like a cousin my grandmother passed and I was always kind of moving around getting shuffled around my grandmother passed we lost her home. We moved in with um, a cousin. So in that household, it was you 
I guess that transition, I was young, but I kind of saw what I didn't have. I moved in with my cousin, and from with them, it was my cousin, his wife, at the time, his two kids. So it's a whole new world if you've been in a household right. and you're seen and trying to understand those things, but you just don't get it because you didn't have that growing up. To, the structure. Yeah, you didn't have the structure almost till mm-hmm. I was, what, 11, 12 years old. I didn't see, like, a structure of that. But a big, um, I guess I can use this as a shout-out, the Young Leaders Academy, I guess that's where the part of learning how to become a man kind of play a huge part. I, I Like I said, much credit to the men that I had in my family. Uh, it was many of them that I can never be more thankful for, but the Young Leaders Program kind of really sparked it because you saw other kids in the community mm-hmm. that you were always around. You saw... Um, you saw mentors okay. that weren't like your father or someone in your family, but you still see them, the interaction you have with them, mm-hmm. and you can see them portray the same exact image that you have with, that they have with you, with their kids, when they're out with their wife. You saw all of that. Okay. So kind of seeing that, you see like, okay, this is completely real. Okay. Not saying that things with family and friends were fake. Right. It was just a transition that you see... Like, it's completely real because, like I said, when I moved in with my cousin, it was more of a, like, it was a whirlwind because what I saw, how they would interact with each other, family functions, church, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. it's different when you're in the household. Right. So, I guess um, with the Young Leaders Program, I kind of saw it across the board. Okay. And then you are involved more with, I guess, at a young age what would be personal development so so the young leaders program who was your um your mentor Kirk Bennett Kirk That's Bennett a, a man I can if he was still here today rest in peace um the values well along with his staff the values I learned from them uh are no words can really express um the gratitude for that program uh, mm-hmm. I know it's still around now but the mentoring, the leadership, the aspect of there's more outside of your community because right. I'm from Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish, and it's kind of a I I want to say a, a glass glass ceiling, but it's more of a small town mentality that yeah. I call it. It's a it's issued on what you see, mm-hmm. and this is kind of what's there and this is what you're supposed to do because you saw you see the same trend of what I saw growing up in my background specifically not speaking for any other background but lower income huh. single mother and from what I saw you see only guys that you see really get out or athletes and rappers so you saw Brandon Bash you saw um even Kendrick Brown, you saw Lil Boosie. Yeah. Things like that. You see those figures and you think, I guess this is my way out. It wasn't much to transition out of that. But against the Young Leaders Program, you saw kind of outside of that blanket that they, that the 
the mindset of community can put on you at times. And uh, that kind of led to me moving to California, too. But with the mindset of just that alone, the aspect of a dad was um, missed, in a sense, when right. you don't even know how vital and important like of what you're missing. So. Huh. So the question I have to ask you, um, so you said you never spoke to your father, right? Nope. And if you could talk to your father right now, if he was listening, <laughs> like, what would you want to ask him? What, like, what would you say? I honestly, I honestly don't know. Um, every, you always hear people say, oh, if I, if I ever got in this situation, I, like, I honestly don't feel like any of that's true. Hmm. Um, I feel like you you kind of adapt to the situation. I think that's what I would have to do. Because part of me had, like, there's so many emotions mixed into it. Neglect, anger, um, gratitude, as weird as it sounds. Um, reluctance that I didn't fall into other, like, gaps. Um, it gave other people in my life the opportunity to kind of fill that void that was there. So there's a lot of, I guess it was a, it'd be a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of questions, and I guess the, I guess at my age now it would be a, on a understanding aspect and okay. b what else is kind of there, like relationship wise. Mm-hmm. Like again, I may be wrong because I'm not in that setting. I don't think that I would really thrive and really right away wanting that. I think I would care more about the other side of it. The family. Like I said, he's African. The culture. The family members that can be there. If there's any brothers, any sisters, mm-hmm. any, you know, connection-wise, like, you don't... I don't know what's there, so I guess that'll be, I guess, most of my questioning. And then, like, I guess figuring out... Well, not even figuring out, but just... I don't know, just filling in the best I can the the blanks to the questions that I have. Hmm. Yes. So, um, so do you forgive your fa- father? Because right now, in what aspect of abandonment? He abandoned you. He did um, going going on culture, going on how I was raised about forgiveness. If you look in the Bible, um, which way, whichever way you look at it, of course that side of me pulls to yes. But far as um, but far as I don't know, I don't know full full forgiveness. I can't honestly say that I'm there yet. At least you're being honest. I can't say that I'm fully there yet for it's just like oh it is what it is like cause like I guess it's a it's a step out of outside of myself I think more than anything I think about my mom so much the transition like I just turned 27 this year okay um and the transition on my mom was 27 when she had me so that kind of idea of what she was about to prepare to go through with me as a young baby growing up, um, 
family, the whole deal, I guess it makes me feel compassion and fill in the gap for that because, like I said, that's something that you can't replace. Time you won't get back. Efforts you won't get back. People that you... Um, people that you can't give their time back for things they may have had to do for me with lack thereof. Um, so, yeah, I think just overall is a... I don't know, it goes a little bit deeper than just overall just forgiveness because there's so many different layers to it. Because I can forgive you for one thing, some other stuff is like, uh... So you, so you don't forgive him? At this point, I can say I can. But, like, it's... He's still weak because... No matter how you put it, how you try to isolate it, your reasoning... Okay. It's... It's 27 years. Hmm. And the fact that you know and you, for whatever reason, you haven't addressed it, I can't formulate of a good idea in my mind on why to this point you can't address it no matter if you feel that it would be hate, anger, whatever you put that on yourself Okay. so it's like you know like you it's almost like it's having a face like you just didn't care I guess so you growing up without a, without a father but an amazing mom um, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to, do you want a wife? Do you want children? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And it's not, I'm not sure if I'm jumping a gun on your question and none of it's in the idea of me trying to be the father that I never had or be better than him. Uh-huh. It's just a genuine principle that I was raised on, on your type tightly knitted with people and you want to be the reason someone else becomes better in life no matter what it is and you want to be that that center point for people that people just in general even if it's not a kids if it's not a marriage just with people in general having a strong relationship because no one can replace that so right so the question I was going to ask you what kind of father would you want to be (laughs) he was like well what kind of father um, do you want to be? The father I want to be, I guess. Um, do you want a big family? Do you want a small family? Do you, you know? Whatever happens, whatever huh. God and fate and the universe puts in my lap, um, huh. I'm gonna roll with it. I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna shy away from things. I'm gonna let it happen how it happens: the okay. good, the bad, the ugly, okay. the great. Um, I think I will want to be like I said looked at where kind of like one of my life goals and passions I want to be the person that you can look up and say you're the reason I didn't give up Yeah. you're the reason whatever the case may be I kept going so kind of having that mindset as far as a dad or a husband or just a great friend that's kind of across the board how I would want to be. Dad-wise, uh, it may sound crazy, but highlights of seeing accomplishments, being able to be supportive, being able to 
going trips, being able to mm. actually show kids, show my kids both sides of it. And I think parents kind of slip away with that. Or they lose track of that. Yeah, they lose yeah. track of that because you have a, a idea of what you may have come from, what you may have gone through. But you get to, especially if you get to a, a plateau of success, money, stature, whatever, I think some parents don't give that leeway of still showing your kids what what life, what life tried to hold you down by, environments you grew up in, the people that you interact with, and seeing all around sides and not just seeing, okay, now we good, we got the big house, we got the money, he's a TV star. Mm. Um, I want to be like a all around and not neglect not, like I said, like not neglect the bad parts. Like is not there. Not neglect the racism. Not neglect the societal issues. Not neglecting where I came from. Things I had to go through. Not neglecting that, and showing kids that you can transition from either side of it. Whether you come into greatness, if you don't come into greatness, if you come to money, if you don't come to money, whatever case may be, you can still you can still thrive. And at the end of the day, it still boils down to loving people so I guess it'll be just across the board just great, all love and great loving father yeah well you know what that sounds good to me you be my daddy I'm just playing I'm just playing anyway um, um, I want to really thank you you know for you know sharing no that with us you know sometimes talking about someone's father if they didn't have a father in their life is a very sensitive subject and um i think that it should be in my opinion it should be growth a way of growth and just yeah, because sure. he, and just because <clears throat> your father wasn't in your life man he's missing out on a great human being because i'm so i'm so appreciative i ran into you at at&t um, I'm glad that you're part of the Help Show team. Um, I'm really glad you're on board. I think you're an amazing individual. I think your father's missing out on such a what, you know what? what a great guy you are. I just thought about something. What you think about? I think the first thing outside of emotion huh. that I would probably tell him, or if he somehow listens to this podcast, at the end of the day, I guess thank you. Hmm. From what I've seen, I guess. Because hmm. um, it's two-sided. Because you have kids that have the two-parent structure. You have the things you need. You have financial aspect. You have the... And they're ungrateful. You push. <laughs> and it's not even ungrateful. You have a... I mean, this is me speak, speaking from my personal experience. You have that... You have that breaking point of... Of how things are supposed to be or how you get to certain levels. <laughs> and I kind of saw it from the complete opposite side. Because I've seen kids that I've grown up with, family too. <laughs> you have the structure. You have the parents. You have the two-parent right. household. Right. You have the two-job household. You have the the good influence. You have the, the support. You have everything that you ask for for parents. But there's still a gap that will slip because kids get into a level of comfortability. Okay. And you become comfortable on having what I call a safety net. If you know that what you truly want to do at heart, mm-hmm. it'll, you know, it's going to 
drop out and people going to um, settle and oh if it doesn't happen I know mom and dad got me right and like that kind of went away from me because I know that wasn't there for me so I had to kind of Hi, this is Nayetta, and I am with Lincoln Stevens. Say hi, Lincoln. Hey, hi, Lincoln. No, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this month is to our fathers. And I wanted to, not I wanted to, I am interviewing Lincoln because he is such an amazing man. Um, Lincoln is a Dallas, a Dallas Texas native. Yeah. Actually, he lives around the corner from my mom. This is really amazing. And I just, I, I just see how he treats his son, Montgomery. You know, um, Lincoln, just watching him and just interacting with Lincoln. And Lincoln and I kind of, I know his sister. And, and we kind of know the same people. And just really encountering with Lincoln, Lincoln is amazing. Plus, I was doing some Instagram stalking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want, first of all, I would like for you to introduce yourself and let the audience know a little bit about Lincoln. And um, also, I would like for you to tell the audience a little bit your upbringing, how you were were brought up. So those two first. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. So I am, like you mentioned, I'm from Dallas, Texas, born and raised, was raised in Buckner Terrace, which is near Pleasant Grove. Okay. And then moved to Lake Highlands area. Okay. Uh, went to college in Missouri, okay. University of Missouri. Graduated from Bishop Lynch High School, I'll say that. Okay. okay. Um, went to college in Missouri, uh, came back, worked in advertising, got my degree in journalism. Okay. Um, worked in advertising and moved to Chicago, continued to work in advertising, and then founded a nonprofit that I run currently. It's our 10-year anniversary this year. Super excited about that. Um, but was raised by two of the best people uh, in the world, I consider. Uh, my parents, Calvin and Sandra, uh, they will, will be married for 42 years uh, in November. Wow. Yeah. Um, my grandparents, my mom's parents were married for, I think, 56 years, and my um, dad's parents were married for, what, 67 years, something like oh, that? wow. And both marriages ended because till death do you part. Okay. Um, and um, so I've, I have always enjoyed seeing um, what love and endurance looks like. Um, through their uh, examples and um, and through the love that they showed us and and my siblings and family, um, so um, but grew up pretty humbly, I guess you could say, like okay. um, like we always were compared to the. Cosby's. Um, be careful with the Cosby thing right now. <laughs> I have to be careful with to the Huxtables. Sorry. Compared to the Huxtables, that is my mistake. Um, but, um, but you know, didn't have the 
um, you, you know, when you are able to carry yourself in a certain way, people might have the per- a perception of you that is different than your reality. Right. But that doesn't mean that you you lower how you carry yourself. Correct. Um, um, to fit into someone else's um, fit into someone else's narrative of you. Okay. Yeah. Look, I get that. Yeah. Okay. You gotta stay true to yourself. Yeah. You do. <laughs> you do have to stay true to yourself, most definitely. Okay. So with you having um, both your parents, um, so the question, since it's Father's Day, mm-hmm. who do you consider to be your father? Like, because just because you grew up, see the perception thing, that's what stuck out to me, perception. Mm-hmm. Because just because they people pictured you, your father is being your father. Was your father your father? Was he your mentor? Was he was he considered your father? Was someone else considered your father? Yeah, I. <clears throat> I mean, I always definitely knew that my dad was my dad. Okay. There were uh, times, and I didn't recognize how to call this until uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Okay. Maybe about three years ago, I was at um, the Manpower Conference. Uh, um, uh, inside of Megafest with T.D. Jakes, my pastor. Okay. And someone was talking about um, physical presence and emotional absence. Okay. There were some times where I felt like my dad was emotionally absent. Okay. And I didn't understand, I didn't really understand that. I was like, oh, did I do something? Why don't you want to really talk to me? And different, my, my mom and I could sit and talk for hours and work through Problems. My dad would just kind of be like, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but um, a lot of that is is just his dad was a quiet person. Right. And wor- and both of them worked very, very hard. Right. And so sometimes when you work hard, and now I recognize, I, now I get it being a dad myself. Right. When you work hard all day and you have all these things on your mind and you right. come home, sometimes you actually... It's sometimes you actually don't have very much to give. Your energy is gone. Your energy is depleted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have, I have much more conveniences now. Like, I I can sit here while, while we are talking right. and order groceries and they'll be delivered before we finish talking. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know? And so there are more conveniences now. So it may, it's easier for me to be more present it was easy it's easier for me to be more present than my dad right and it was easier for my dad to be more present than, to me than his dad who worked two jobs in oil refineries right. um in, in in port arthur texas uh so i definitely recognize him as my father figure i can't think about anybody else that would that I could say is a father figure to me. Right. Uh, perhaps my grandparents, but my grandfathers. I didn't grow up with them in the same city. Okay. Um, but I respected them as 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 those types of elders. Okay. Um, and yeah, I don't have anybody else that I could I could consider as a father figure. I do have mentors that I've okay. met later on like in college okay. and so forth, but no one else that would be like a father to me. And how did they mentor you? 
Um, compared to your, you know, compared to your father being your father figure, because yeah, most of my mentors were not that far are not that far away in age to me. Okay. Um, and so it's more like brotherhood. Okay. Um, instead of instead of fatherhood. Okay. Um, they, I, I would say, give give a different perspective to the things that I have uh, to bring to the table uh, to work through, whether it's personally, professionally, uh, family-wise. It's just another perspective, and their mentorship is, is that of, of keeping me honest. Like, it's good to have somebody that would not only come, come yeah. to see about you, but will tell you about yourself. Well, you need that sometimes. <laughs> you really need that. You can't that have sometimes. a bunch of yes men uh, and yes women around you. Uh, you need people that will keep you balanced and honest, and, uh, right. and, and, and I respect that about all those that, that I have in my life that are like that. Okay, I like that. So, with your father being your father, your dad, um, what you can give me a couple, um, a couple great memories that you you had with your your father, with your dad. I think one of my greatest memories is um, there. There are two that stick out. Okay. The first one I only remember because I have it on video. Okay. Um, and. Um, it was 1985. Oh. Uh, you know, black folks didn't really have video cameras back then. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing, A, to have a piece of footage uh, from that time period. Yeah, from that, yeah. Um, But uh, I remember him teaching me how to cook. And he said, son, I'm going to teach you how to be a master chef. Oh, okay. And he was making this dish that... Uh, that I still love. I just made it for some friends twice last week. Okay. Um, it's shrimp and linguine with uh, curry and mm. a butter and white mm. wine sauce. Now, he didn't teach me about the wine. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you add that into <laughs> you it. You add that into it. you got to get aged properly. Okay. Um, but, um, but I rem- but it's, you know what the saying is, you can teach a man to fish. Uh, you, you can teach a man to uh, catch fish. No, okay. What is it? No, no, no. So it's I, too early in the morning. I, and I, yeah, I know it's like nine o'clock. Come on. I know. Um, so basically, um, you can take a man. You can give a man a fish. Or, or you can teach. A or man you can to. teach a man a fish. Yes. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Anyhow, you can you can <laughs> you can you can take a man. You can take a, your son out to eat, or you can teach him how to cook. Pretty much, that's what it is. It. Yes. Yes. So I'm glad because that's one that's one of my biggest passions is cooking for people. Oh, me too. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I love that. And then uh, my other greatest memory um, is when I was young, we went to. Um, house, New Mexico, and went to, um, went camping and horseback riding. Wow. Uh, and I say horseback riding because we literally packed the horses down <laughs> and went camping. Like you had to put everything, your canteen, your <laughs> luggage, everything on the horses. And we rode through the snow and everything like that and went camping. Uh, and that was just a great memory. That was uh, a great memory. I like that. Those, those are really great memories. <laughs> you were the Hawks, <laughs> I don't remember uh, Theo. 
homeboy Malcolm and Jamal Warner. I don't remember them going camping. But they lived in New York. They right? lived in New York. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like in Dallas. They would totally been going camping. <laughs> they really would have been going camping. So, um, you know what? I man, that's a great memory. Like, I don't think I went camping as a kid. I'm jail. I was in Boy Scouts. Um, yeah. uh, and so that was it was really a part of one of the things that <clears throat> that we had to do. Okay, then you took a liking to it. I'm jealous. I want to go yeah, camping. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I took a liking to it. I haven't gone camping that much, actually. Okay. Because I've never been <laughs> I camping. Did, but I did like, I do love horses. You do? I do like riding horses. I'm a Sagittarius. So I'm, I am half horse. Oh. Half okay. man, half beast. <laughs> <laughs> and let me see. So, with. Okay, so I do want to know what you did for Father's Day because I'm a little nosy. Because so, I was on Instagram. I have to tell you guys this. I'm always, like, Instagram stalking. Like, and sometimes I don't like. Sometimes I do like. But I was like, how was that? Was it as great as it looked on the picture? You know, because sometimes people just, you know, they, oh, you have all these smiles. And those smiles are not true. Yeah. You know, so I want to know, like, tell me, what did you do on Father's Day? Yeah, I had... A great Father's Day. I mean, it's only my second one being a being a dad. Yeah. But this was like the best. I got up. Well, first I got up. Um, my son and I were sleeping in the same bed. Okay. And I got up, and he just kind of woke me up, and we just kind of hung out. Oh, okay. Uh, as we got ready for church, and we always get up and put a little music on, do a little either Fela Kuti or some. Praise and worship, either one. That's okay. all. All the music is is is, is, is to the uh, encouragement of good spirits around you. Okay. Um, but um, so we did that, and then we drove to Starbucks. Okay. And got a little quick to go breakfast, and then went to church and had a good time there. And my sister called me, and uh, she said, "Man." I just can't believe you're a dad. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and you're a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, you're a great one. I, but, so we'll come back to that. Uh, but, she, but because I, when I was coming up and I had two younger sisters, like I was felt like I was their father figure. <laughs> Sometimes I'd just yell at him and he'd talk all crazy at him. Still might do, might catch me on the wrong day. I might do the same thing. <laughs> um, but um, I think what she was trying to say is that um, she's glad to see my maturity um, to be patient enough to be the type of dad that I am because I would be very quick to anger. Uh, if I didn't see, if, if, if I said, okay, do this and then don't do that. Like, right. I just, I'm very, I'm, I've learned so much patience, like hmm. real, real patience. Yeah. And the thing, you know, that I'll, that I'll say when you said you're a great dad, what part of, so when my sister was telling me that, I actually sat after we got off the phone in the parking lot in church and cried hmm. because I had been in it since I became a dad and especially in days like Father's Day I'm inundated with people saying you're a great dad or you're a 
awesome dad and this or that. And I, while I like that praise right. to a certain extent, I think that it's relatively sad that doing what is expected mm. makes you great. Right. I, some, I was changing my son in his diaper in the bathroom one day of like Whole Foods. And this guy was in there and he said, way to step in there and be a great dad. Why? Because I'm changing his dirty diaper? Yeah. I was in the the airport with Montgomery two weeks ago. And um, we we had a red red eye. And to keep him awake long enough, because I wanted him to sleep on the plane. So maybe that was selfish of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just running around with him in the airport, like chasing him, letting him chase me and stuff like that. This woman came up to me and said, oh my gosh, what a great father. Why? Because I'm taking care of him? And I think that we, we, you know, you have, so you counter that with people then saying, oh, you're babysitting your son today? No, I'm not babysitting him. Right. I'm taking care of him. Most definitely. And so I do recognize the alternative, however, that there are dads that aren't in their kids' lives right. and they don't want to be. Right. There are dads that aren't in their kids' lives because the mother doesn't want them to be. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of in between all that. Right. But I, I, I think until I haven't been a dad long enough to be characterized as a great dad. Right. I haven't been tested enough. He's barely been. He's had an ear infection. He's barely been sick. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, he's healthy. Right. He's a, he's kind. He's a sweet boy. I haven't been tested enough to say that's great because I haven't overcome enough. You can't like. So somebody, you could say to people, oh, you have a great marriage, and they only been married for a year. Yeah. What's a great marriage for a year? Thank you. Give me 10, 12, 15, <laughs> 20 years. You, do 42 like my parents. Man. And, and then come and, back and, to And me. then come back yeah. to Yeah. So I think that I thank you for saying that, but I think that you'll need to come back when Montgomery's 50 and ask him if I'm a great dad. Right. Because doing what's normal should not, we shouldn't put what's normal on the pedestal of greatness when it's what we should be expected to do. But in today's society... It doesn't matter. Sorry to cut you off. Okay. We can we can make that excuse about today's society Okay. all we want. Okay. But greatness and what you're expected to do, it, it, it transcends time. Right. We have examples throughout time of what we should be doing... And we tend to all, and that's the reason why I cut you off. We tend to go back to, but in today, okay, whatever. Okay. We are where we are today, and okay. we have all those things. But we, and especially as black people, we tend to, we tend to do that. Oh well, today we have this, and today we have. We had much more obstacles, many more obstacles hundreds of years ago than we have now. Right. It is too easy for It's too easy, it, like, in, in the time period where you didn't even have the ability to uh, FaceTime or do any of this to have a connection. Right. You could say, oh, well, you know, that person was never there or they didn't make an attempt because there was no technology to bring you there. Okay. But we have too many conveniences that actually allow us to be better and more present than we did than we did before so we cannot use as an excuse the the statistics of today okay. to inform us on on 
on how we examine and rate marriage, parenthood, all that type of thing. Right. Sorry. You know but, what? But go ahead. You know, in today's society. You know what? My train in today's talk, society. You know what? No. Fifty percent. You know divorce, what? Seventy percent divorce. You know what? People having kids out of wedlock more at a higher rate. Really? And all that. Really, Lincoln? Is that where you were going? No, I wasn't. Okay. But it doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> because you cut my train of thought off. I was in the moment, and he was like, "Boo." No, let me let me school you, homegirl. Let me school you, Nayetta. <laughs> so I guess I got school today. <laughs> but the reason it, it you to me, my, when you bring a life into the world, help conceive a life, it, it, you suppo- you're supposed to want to take care and nurture and love what you have created. But we come from a society where a lot of selfishness relies. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to come in the society part. Like, you being praised for being a great father, you being praised for, um, for um, teaching Montgomery, you being praised for caring and changing diapers and things of that nature with Montgomery. But if you look at today and if you look at society, you look at the news, you look what's going on, it's all about me, 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 selfish, 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 selfish. So you doing the act of what you're supposed to do as a parent, as a father, sometimes it is out of the norm. There are a lot of... Because... I think, I think it's out of the norm that we see it. Okay. I think there are... I know a lot of my friends that are fathers that do the same thing and have come from generations of it it's just it's what we it's what is chosen for us to see in the media okay. and this is coming from someone that's in the media okay um and it is also somewhat what we choose to see okay um but it's there it's been there it's not near there nearly enough okay. um but we it's and the um they were talking about this at, at, at church yesterday. So it's just, it's just that, and and it was interesting. So going to a, a predominantly black large church, it can be up to eleven thousand people in our service at oh, any wow. Sunday. Um, uh, my pastor asked everyone who had grown up like without their dad hmm. to, uh, or with a, an estranged relationship. To stand up. Hmm. And I thought it was going to be a majority of the church. Hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't. Wow. I would say there was probably a fourth of the church. Oh, wow. And that showed to me that we do have many, many um, examples of, I don't want to say broken households. We have many examples of single-parent households and estranged relationships with fathers. Mm. Uh, But what that told me is that either a lot of people that were sitting down didn't want to stand up, or we actually do have a lot of people that have have come through and have relationships with their dads. Which is good, uh, which I think is amazing. So... What, since, since you said you were like, you know, Montgomery's too. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, um, how does it feel to be a father? Um, from what you expected, what you thought you may have been before you, before Montgomery came into the picture, what kind of father you thought you were going to be. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know what kind of father do you, 30 years from now, what kind of father do you expect what you expect to become or you mm-hmm. expect to be or 
because you right you, we talked about you didn't you you haven't you know even did an ear infection or you you just this is your second father's day the second or third how old is montgomery two he'll Three. be two he next is, month. he is tall he's gonna be tall uh, the, I think he's gonna be tall. The pediatrician, maybe the pediatrician says, "Well, he's not the he's not the tallest guy in his class." <laughs> <laughs> um, he's long, um, but he's 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 lengthened out. He's kind of skinny. He's very active. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure what kind of dad I was gonna be. Okay. Um, I knew I knew because I've been a, a mentor for a, for a long time and. And, and been patient at, you know, listening and hearing uh, other people. I knew that I had the capacity to love past myself. Okay. Um, but I wasn't sure because I just didn't know what he would need from me and how I could give it to him hmm. uh, uh, at a young age and then, and then later on. Um, but what I've learned is, like, it's like the best thing in the world. Like I, if I didn't have to pay for this here mortgage, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if he and if I didn't need him to, you know, be socialized with other kids and stuff like that, I could hang out with him all day long. Huh. I mean, literally all day, every day, I could hang out with him. I just was with him for seventeen days straight, just he and I, and I did not want that to end. Oh wow. Um, because he has, and it's, and it's more about him than about the concept of fatherhood. He's just a great spirit, hmm. you know. He's just a funny, just laughable, sweet kid, and um, and I love, I love it. Um, I love that he challenges me to see the selfishness in myself. Okay. It's like, uh, what do you mean you want some uh, juice? I'm trying to watch the House of Cards. <laughs> 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 you know, but little, I mean, little things to the big things. Like, what will you, what will you, what will you uh, sacrifice? Hmm. You know? Um, and it's true enough that I think about that just for a second you know what was the bigger sacrifice God sacrificing his son hmm. or the son sacrificing his own life hmm. because I would hate to see any level of pain it, when also because I'm an empath an empathic spirit hmm. whenever Montgomery cries, and I know he's crying because he's either actually hurting or he's confu really confused about something, which is could be a form of hurt. Mm. It just it grips my soul because oh. I feel him, huh. and so you know I wonder if that's the same type of. Th so I wonder then, then what is the greater sacrifice? You seeing someone go through something, knowing that you could have prevented it, okay, uh, or, and knowing that you asked him to do it, huh. right? Right. Um, or that the pain that 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 your child went through, which hurts more, um, and so I, I I enjoy being so deeply connected to this spirit 
And he looks just like me. Oh, he does. <laughs> when I was a kid, it's like, when I look at pictures of me as a kid and I see him, I'm like, wow. <laughs> you could, oh, but you get a do-over. <laughs> you get a do-over, okay. You get a do-over. It's good, a good do-over. A good do-over. Okay. But, um, uh, but I love it. I love it. In terms of what kind of father I will be in the future, mm-hmm. I mean... One day at a time, you know, I'll figure it out. Hmm. Um, uh, it'll depend on the demands that we have in the world. Okay. Um, but I, but undying love will always be there. Um, my hope and I wish. Hmm. Um, just provision without spoil. Okay. Like I don't. <clears throat> Like we were in the we were in the store the other day getting a, and I said we're going to Target because you, you your drum was broken I'm gonna get you a new drum. Okay, daddy. <laughs> okay, we're only in here to get a drum, buddy. <laughs> and me, like I'm like, oh, get this, get this, get this. I'm a conspicuous consumer. Okay. And um, he, we got the drum, found that, and then there were a couple other things that he wanted. Right. And I could see his use for them. It wasn't like frivolous toys. I could see how they could benefit him. Okay. But I needed to say, all right, maybe one day we'll come back and get that. Okay. Today we only came in here to get a drum. I, I think it's important to draw a barrier. And boundaries and boundaries. lead by example. And if yeah. you, Yes. Yeah. It's very important. Because otherwise, if I had my way, I would have gotten the drum, <laughs> tambourine. <laughs> I would have gotten him the car and all the... Lincoln Logs and everything, <laughs> the new comforter set, you know, because he just sees everything and he, you know, and just because you see it and point it out doesn't mean you need it. That's correct. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's like, it's, ah, but this is, this is good. It'll, it'll teach him to save. It's like these little lessons that you're teaching him, it'll help him be a great, become a great man, you know, to have to have patience, to have, to draw those boundaries, to have, to learn, have resistance. Like, you know what? I can come back one day and get them or I come back next week. So this is, these are great examples that you're teaching, um, Montgomery. So we're going to close. I want to, I want to close this on a note to your father because interviewing you today, I'm, absolutely just amazed by you. <laughs> and I'm going to give him so many hugs and I might give you a kiss on the cheek. I'm just <laughs> But a friend kiss on the cheek. A friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, man, I just, I'm so, I'm just so amazed with you and you've been, this is just the beginning of something great. Like two years, 10 years, 20 years from now, he might, uh, your son might be the next president. <laughs> I'm just saying. He might be another country. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, of another country that has an island or something. Uh, (laughs) So, with this, with with the end of this, I want if you could tell your father anything because he's done such an amazing job raising you, and you're right now you're doing a really really great job um, raising Montgomery. Okay. If you can tell your father anything, what would you tell your father? I'm glad that we're friends now. I'm giving him a hug. I'm giving you a hug. (laughs) I just love you, Lincoln. (laughs) I really like that. I'm glad that we're friends now. This is good. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Help Show. 
Lincoln, thank you so much um, for interviewing. And it's early in the morning. <laughs> and I only say early because I used to not get up to like 11. <laughs> Now I get up at six in the morning. Six in the morning. I have him. So. <laughs> so I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for thank taking you. the time out of your busy um, morning to interview with the Help Show, and um, have a wonderful day, Lincoln. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. For more information, please visit thehelpshow.com. Do you have computer problems? Is your computer running slow? Did you forget your passcode? Okay. Is it running slow because you've been downloading inappropriate things? <laughs> okay, I'm raising my hand. I've done it before. <laughs> Call Half Price Geeks. That's 1-877-77-GEEKS. And tell them the help show sent you. This is Michael. And welcome to The The Help Help Show. Show. Welcome back, guys, and thank you for tuning in to our 10th episode in our June four-part series, Daddy Lessons. So today, guys, I have a really, really, really extra special guest for you. Special. Yes, very (laughs) special. She, her name is Kanidra Brown, and she is a family criminal law attorney, which we all need those in our lives, okay? Hello. (laughs) So since this month, we have the whole month of what june, june. Mm-hmm. just one month okay i know i know, I, I know. <laughs> yeah yeah for the for the father's days um session for daddy's lessons but we we brought kanidra here today to you know educate and spread awareness how first of all it is important that fathers are daddies mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you guys have rights and she's going to educate you on that. She's going to educate me. She's going to educate both of us right, on yeah, that. Yeah, she's going to school us off. Yeah, she's going to school <laughs> us. So, Kanidra, tell the audience, who is Kanidra? Okay, so I'm Kanidra Brown. I was born and raised here in Dallas. Um, I grew up in Oak Cliff, educated in DISD schools. Okay. Um, I went to Rice University in Houston, but came back to Dallas to go to law school and to practice here because... Um, the interesting thing about me is that I did grow up with an incarcerated father, and okay. I grew up in a neighborhood where most of the males, most of the, you know, most of the older males were gone, either dead or incarcerated. Okay. And, you know, there are obviously incredibly systemic reasons for that, but there was also just a lack of general knowledge about attorneys, what they do, why they were needed in our neighborhood so that our men, and now with the increasing... Um, number of black women who are being incarcerated why we need to be able to be back in these communities and be accessible and why our community needs to be knowledgeable about what's happening legally right now and if if the importance of lawyers or family lawyers or criminal lawyers hasn't hit you guys yet the state of the world are to let you know how important it is (laughs) that attorneys who are aware of what's happening and why things happen systemically um, in their communities it's very very important yeah that's awesome yeah so, Kanitra, mm-hmm. it is Kanitra, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that we, you know our, our 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 audience, you know, can pronounce yeah. your name right. Yeah, uh, you, you guys said like one of my aunts said, uh, and, okay. but I just I know like if my mom or my dad catch the show, they're like, why didn't she just tell them what her name was? <laughs> 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 it's Kanitra with the T. Kanitra. Okay. Kanitra. Yeah. So, Kanitra, uh, you you gave us a very good intro. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why? Um, r- right now, I'm the principal attorney of my own firm. I practice on the. the Monica, the law office of Kanitra Brown. I have a general practice, but most of my practice is family and criminal law. Okay. Um, it tends to be uh, what is needed in the community 
especially among black young adults right now, it tends to be where the niche is. Um, or just generally, you know, when people need legal help, that tends to be right. what you're calling your friends about. Hey, do you know a family attorney? Right. Do you know an attorney who can take care of, you know, my tickets or who can get, you know, this charge reduced or something like that? So it tends right. to be what most people need a lawyer for. Right. for. Okay. So it tends to be the bulk of my business. Okay. So you're not prepaid legal, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we try to make sure we have Let me be with every attorney. <laughs> Unless you're working with legal aid, it's prepaid legal. Prepaid just, legal. You need, to pray, you need to pay your lawyers ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that and, yeah. and its importance. Um, yes, you gotta yeah. pay your lawyers. You, you have to, pay yeah, you have you to pay, pay them. them. That, yeah, they go get their money. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your experience of fathers when working with cases, um, Kenitra? Yeah, <laughs> so I've actually had uh, a few clients who were fathers. Okay, um, I've had clients who wanted custody, clients who were fathers who had physical custody, okay. but didn't have legal custody. And there's a difference between the two. Um, and I've had some who wanted custody and just didn't follow through. So just in general, from, from those experiences, what I've gotten from fathers um, is that I'm, I'm, and I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to it's make it sound like I'm victim blaming, but what what usually follows is Fathers have a hard time, one, relinquishing control or, or figuring out that they're not in complete control over a situation mm. when they're in the family court system. No, we're not in control of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's very difficult. Yeah. So you get frustrated. Yes, it is. And you get okay. impatient. Um, so patience, the lack of patience is an issue that I've, that I've dealt with. Okay. Um, generally, how you think, and logically, I can see how it makes sense, but over the long term, it, it's detrimental to you when you want possession of your kids right. um, is you don't want to pay for an attorney or you don't want an attorney or you balk initially when, 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 when fathers are pricing out attorneys or when they're you know, researching attorneys, attorneys are going to give you their fees up front. Mm -hmm. right? They're going to tell you, hey, I need $5,000 and they'll tell you it's a retainer. Right. And all you hear is, $5, you want $5,000 for, yeah. for, for me to show up at court one time and I think that's too much money I can do right. it myself. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and the truth of the matter is that $5,000 retainer is going to help that attorney file the right paperwork on your behalf. Okay. It's going to stretch out over months, maybe years of litigation. Um, it's because it's not going all to them at one time. Right. Once you like, we have trust accounts that we have to keep money in and, and take money out of, you know, at us at a certain time. Or you don't ask the attorney if he or she has payment plans. So you're here five thousand and think I don't have that, and then think, well, I don't need, I, I won't get an attorney. Right. Okay. Instead yeah. of asking, what are the ways I can pay this off? Right, right, right. So there's that part, or you have it and you don't want to sacrifice it. Yeah. Because it's yeah. because to you, what's going to happen is you're, it's not going to work out in your favor anyway. And right. that that is a lot of what I've seen is that you hear misinformation, you hear about you know your homeboy, your homegirl situation, right. what happened, and you you tie their facts to yours. Right, right. Yeah, those and you think right, yeah, and there's right. a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. right. So you think, well, this is what happened to my homeboy, and it's almost the exact same way that it's happening with me and my child's mother, right. or you know, my child's parents and my child's you know, mother's grandparents if they don't live with her. So I don't even want to. I know how it's going to turn out for me, mm. right? And not recognizing that there's a human element in all of this. You know, there's a you may be a with a different judge. Right. The facts of your case may be different. Right. Um, and then the other thing is. A lot of them, and as much as we say it, you have to tell your lawyers when you're in a family case. Mm. Tell them everything. 
that's the problem right there. Yeah. You, we are bound by confidentiality. Right. Okay. So I'm going to reference some cases here, but I'm not going to give any confidential information like that, that's specific to a case or whatever. But when a, when a lawyer tells you you need to tell them everything, right. tell them everything. Tell them because everything. the standard in, in family court is the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're arguing or when you're advocating or when someone's advocating for a child, evidence laws, civil procedure and evidence laws still play a role. But I don't want to say they're lax. Hmm. Um, but they're relaxed a little bit because if a judge needs to or thinks that he or she needs to hear about a certain fact in the background that determines who gets who gets the child mm-hmm. or who has to pay child support or anything like that, they're look that's what they're listening and looking for. So what an attorney will do is is put pleadings on file so that you have some type of defense on record. Okay. They'll keep certain facts out. Okay. If you told you, an attorney can't help you if you didn't tell them everything about right. the situation. Right. And they don't want surprise. Yeah, they don't want a surprise. Yeah. There's no way right. that sometimes we can object, but if we don't have a good basis for an objection, a judge can overrule it. Right. Hmm. Um, and the other issue um, that I've found is sometimes fathers don't know the status of their case. You've never actually looked at your order, right. at your sacker. What, what we call a SAPS or, or you know, a suit affecting a parent-child relationship. You never actually looked at it. You don't know if you're under temporary orders right. or final orders. Okay. That, all those matters. You don't know if you've already had a default judgment right. filed against you. Have you missed deadlines? Um, can you file and ask for um, a change in status? So these types of things is I've I've encountered this a lot is that a father doesn't actually know right. what his rights I mean even on paper what his legal rights are you don't even right, know right. what your actual visitation schedule is right you so, think, you, yeah. so do you do you think it's best to uh, to have those initial consultations up front and then kind of have like a I guess walk you through the steps like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do this. I mean, so, because a lot of fathers are confused. Mm-hmm. A lot of fathers are terrified of the process mm-hmm. because they've heard these horror stories and how things never work in their favor. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, um, with my daughter, you know, I, I was kind of, um, I did my research. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we all go to Google. How but, much research did you really do? I did a lot of research. <laughs> there's a lot of it out there, so you, there's a lot, a lot to find. You yeah. know, and it's different for every state, mm-hmm. you know, okay. because, you, you know, especially like um, for me, I you know, I come from an athletic background, so my first thought was, you know, all these athletes who had these babies and, you know, the, the mothers take them to the cleaners. <laughs> so, so you were thinking he was Kobe or something. Yeah, exactly. Kobe's without the shots. That diamond ring. But yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so do you believe that uh, family, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that uh, that the laws view fathers differently? Actually, I, I, I really don't. It is codified in the, in the U.S. Constitution. Well, basically, when, when through the Supreme Court mm. interpreting Constitution and in state, in our state Constitution in Texas, and in our code, that there is a presumption that both parents are, and but the, both parents have an access and custody of a child because right. okay. in their best interest. Right, right. When you go to court, there's actually a presumption you have to overcome. When you when when courts, you know, send out standard um, possession agreements or you know when they make possession agreements, barring some other evidence to the contrary, those agreements are made based on the, on the presumption that both parents, as joint managing conservators, are what's best for the child. Okay. As in, when you look at what that means, 
both of you have the right to determine and you have to and this, this basically it basically forces you to co-parent right, right. so yeah. both yeah. of you have the responsibility or the job of deciding when that child gets a passport what type of religion he or she practices or what yeah. grows up in where um, one parent typically even in JMC joint managing service situation one parent does usually have the right to determine residence right. but but as far as schooling um, where he or she gets to go you know, does he get a phone, all of that, that kind of stuff, those are joint parenting decisions that that court order usually, like, spells out. Right, yeah. Both of you have access to those types of things. Right. And barring some type of, you know, agreed agreement between the two of you that's signed by a judge or, you know, that's legally binding or some other type of information, that's what's usually your, the presumption that you're overcoming. The only way to overcome a joint managing conservatorship ruling or something like that is if there's, you know, an assault in the background, um, primarily on any type of family violence, um, some types of criminal records. Okay. Um, your absence. Right. Say you have a court date and you don't show up to court. Mm-hmm. You, a default judgment, I mean, to a judge, what that looks like, your absence there looks like, and you don't even have an advocate. Because sometimes, you know, as long as your lawyer's in court and you're not there, sometimes that works for you too. Right. But if you're not there, I don't see, the judge is going to be like, you know, unless, you know, your child's mother is advocating for you, which is not her job. She doesn't right. have to. <laughs> which is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And if she says, you know, I don't, he, he doesn't want anything to do with them. I've never gotten child support. He hasn't seen him. A judge has no choice to take it at her word because you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. You're not in court to advocate right. for yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. that's why it looks like courts don't don't push for fathers' rights. Huh. Because fathers aren't there advocating for themselves. They don't push or for themselves. Or they don't push much. for themselves. Yes. Or you know what, you show up in court and you think that you're gonna have to you're gonna have a moment to get your side of the story in. And the fact of the matter is what happened how did you is that you don't understand the court system. For your for you to have a case in front of the for, in front of the judge, okay. either your child's mother or your child's guardian, uh-huh. or the state itself, the attorney general, has to have filed a motion to oh. get you in court. And when they did that, they filed an affidavit that was either one to three to five to eight pages long about the situation. Okay. And you had an opportunity when you were served, you were supposed to file an answer. Right. Mm-hmm. When you file an answer, that or count or counter file right. another petition. That hmm. gives you an opportunity to tell what your side of the story is and make your own pleadings. Okay. That's what the judge is making his or her decision based off. If you didn't do that, you're not going to be able to get a word in. <laughs> so basically, I mean, it's all yeah. documentation. It's, mm-hmm. it's, who take, it's pretty much who takes the best notes. Right. Absolutely. And, and basically, <laughs> if you fail an answer, if you fail a general denial, and you don't, and usually that at least alerts the judge to, hey, this person has... You know, hey, why, why, why aren't the allegations in this petition true? But that judge is also assuming that you've read or had access to that right, to that yeah. petition, and typically that's not the case. Most most mm-hmm. men don't know to go on that they have to pay to get it downloaded, or to go don't know to go down to you know whatever court there was. Mm-hmm. Once you get something filed, it's going to tell you that case number. Okay. Right. Don't know to go look up that case number and try to get a copy of everything that's been filed about mm-hmm. that case. Huh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. You're teaching me You something. need to. Yeah. Because you need to know what 
things have already been filed against you, what's already been said, right. what's what's not been said. These are the types of things that matter. And this is why we tell you get a lawyer because the lawyer's gonna look at that and say, Hey, we missed a deadline here, yeah. or we need to file a different we, we need to file a different form, or you know, you have seven days or fourteen days within getting a citation to answer. You didn't answer, you got default judgment. And the rules are I have three days, twenty one days, fourteen days from 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 this judgment to file an appeal. Blah blah blah. Hmm. And most men either don't know that, right? Know it and don't want to go through it, or uh-huh. just, you know, think if I just show up, I'll get a word in. That's right. enough. And that's yeah, yeah. Not, not enough. enough. Huh. Most judges are gonna be. I'm glad you're here, but. But you know what? You don't have any pleadings, you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. I can't. I don't. I'm not gonna. You know, yeah. I, men. You know, we just kind of speaking from a, a father's point mm-hmm. of view. Um, we let our emotions get in the way mm-hmm. in the beginning because we're like, pride is a big thing. Man, you know, you we, we <laughs> like, um, we like, hey, we created this baby together. We should be fifty-fifty, and it mm, just does not it work that does way. It does not work that and way. And you're going there with yeah. that mentality, like, well, why can't I see her on this day, or why can't I have her, like, you know, money through Thursday? Mm-hmm. You get her from, you know, you know, why are you the so-called? You know, and you get frustrated and you get upset, and you know, I mean, the law is, you know, the law is the law. Yeah. And here's the thing: you think that you'll never have that opportunity, but get it, it is. It's the thing. Once you get, once you get in court, once mm-hmm. you're able to make your filings and your pleadings, most judges aren't going to make you hash this out in front of them doing that first doing that first court case. They're going to look at this and they're going to decide, hey, from these pleadings, I get the feeling that this is what's going on. Right. right. So I'm going to make these types of rulings because right. when you make these, when you file your pleadings, you're going to ask. Usually, you ask for a prayer at the end. If your prayer as a father is, I want access to my child. Okay. Um, and I want basically is even. I want access to my child. Okay. It's the biggest thing. Okay. And, or, you know, your your child support says, excuse me, it's okay. um, you're not paying child support, so you don't get to see hmm. your your child. Right. Even if you're under a court order that says, hey, this person still gets to end the visitation. Right. Let me make this very clear for parents or guardians who have physical custody of a child and are supposed to get child support from another parent or guardian, and that guardian is also supposed to get visitation. Their visitation is not contingent on their ability or their timeliness with child support. Mm -hmm. That is a mutually binding court order. Right. You have to let your child, if that person has visitation and they're attempting to exercise it when the court order gives them the right to exercise it Mm -hmm. and you don't let them, you're in violation of Mm -hmm. the court order too. Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yes. It is not dependent on that person's ability to pay child support. Does that mean that there aren't consequences for not child, paying child support? Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. But you also are mutually bound by that agreement that mm-hmm. that person gets access to that child regardless of if they can pay child support. We'll get into why paying child support or what you can do when the child support is an issue um, later in some of these questions. Uh-huh. But... Um, if you want that and you're not getting it, it's your job as a father to go to court and say, hey, we, I have this court order where I'm supposed to have standard position of my child, and she's not giving it to me. So take so, it to court. So the question I do have for you, mm-hmm. what experience of fathers with custodies, um, or, or with custody disputes do you deal with? Like, um, what I'm trying to say is, like, what experience have you had? With, with, with them, yeah. Case. I mean, I've had the one that breaks my heart the most is, and and I and there are going to be some lessons in here for some of you, is I had a father who had had who has had sole physical custody of his child for two and a half years, okay. and um, 
in that time did not go and and update his uh, attorney general support order. He right. was still under court order to pay child support to her. Right. Um, so he never went and changed that. He he hadn't made any move to get the court order changed to reflect that, that the child was in his physical custody um, until she filed because he went and filed an affidavit. When he finally did file an affidavit, mm-hmm. that he he got a, he got a letter about a, arrears from the from the attorney general and wasn't able to go f- uh, get his license renewed. Which, by the way, if you're behind on your child support and you're in arrearages. And, you're, and you haven't made an effort to call the attorney general, they can file a motion on their own behalf to sanction you either with money hmm. um, that can keep your keep you from being able to get your car registered or your license renewed, hmm. or if you uh, have a C, C, CDL license. Yeah. Uh, or you need any type of license to do your work. If you're a financial advisor, you need a license to do your work. If you're an attorney and you need a license to do your work, <laughs> right? the attorney general can file a motion to... to kind of encumber that license so you're not able to practice and do the work that you that you need to do. Right. Um, but sliding that to the side, he hadn't done that. And mm-hmm. when she went to court uh, to enforce um, child support, it also, she also at that time, had in two years, had never wanted anything to do with this child. Hmm. She also got custody of him in return. Right. Um, and it's not because we, it's because also that person didn't follow up with me Right. About getting into court, <laughs> and right. I'm not. I mean, most attorneys aren't going to work for free. We're right, gonna right. if we want us to, we're gonna we're gonna refer you to legal aid, yeah. and there are a lot of legal aid offices in Texas. But legal aid yeah. of, of, yeah. of North Texas will definitely definitely takes those types of cases. Okay. Um, that's also a resource if you guys if for you guys listening, right. there is a legal aid. There are several legal aid offices in the North Texas area that take these type of cases if you cannot right. afford to get a private attorney. Right. Okay. You know, actually, just kind of touching on that really really mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, there's a there's a website that I went to mm-hmm. uh, when I first got started with mm-hmm. the, my proceedings. It's called uh, FathersForKids.com, mm-hmm. and just really quickly, it's headquartered here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the largest and most active father right organizations in the U.S. Uh, they're nonprofit, but they do things like free access to attorneys. You can get uh, discounted with uh, process services, discounted DNA testing. DNA testing. You, you need that. <laughs> yes, Go get. Hey, even, even if you know that kid is yours, you still need, you still need to go get a DNA test. Yeah. You need to do it because at the end of the day, if it turns out that it's not yours, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, the other part of that is while we say that is if you want to have access to your child, right? Um, there are three ways to make sure that you're. In, if anything happens with your child, say they're arrested, um, they get involved in um, child protective services system, or uh, someone tries to say they're in the foster system and, and you're not available. You either you know you're serving time, you're in the military or something like that. They end up in the system. The way that that our legal services systems works with, with CPS or anything like that is mm-hmm. who's the if they can't find a parent either via birth certificate or whatever mm-hmm. also being on the birth certificate does not guarantee you paternal rights by right. the way guys right yeah. um what you need to do <laughs> or if, if you if you've got someone pregnant and you're not really certain about their uh, reliability or their ability to tell you the truth about when they're having a child or if they're going to give that child up for adoption yeah. Texas does have what's called a putative father registration system okay and what this does is, is while that person is pregnant or within 31 days of them having a child you can go on this website huh. and provide your information um, so that if that per- that child is put up for adoption, yes. you require notice before someone can adopt this child. Right. What's the name of the website? It's 
you can actually find the link through the Texas Health and Human Services website. Okay. Um, or just type in Texas Putative, P-U-T-A-T-I-B-E, father website. And there's one in almost every state because it happens a lot. Huh. Yeah, that kids are given up for adoption or kids are, or are, you know, rights to them are given to someone else without a father being notified because the state doesn't know that they're... To hear the full episodes, go to Apple iTunes or Podbeam and download episodes 9 and 10, Hey Mama and Daddy's Lessons.